Hey, what's going on, guys? Dom the Movie Nerd here, and have you heard the good word? Game of Thrones is back! Well, not really, but the first official spinoff, House of the Dragon, is set to premiere next year on HBO, and that got me thinking about how Game of Thrones, the number one most-watched show for a decade, just seemingly disappeared from the culture after that god-awful finale. And I wanted to find out why, which is why I'm proud to present the newest hit show from the Talking TV network, Talking Thrones, the new weekly show where myself and friend of the channel, Professor Pat Huber, get together to break down each and every single episode of this hit show. We've got focus character segments, we break down the lore, we go over some old reviews, all to get to the question of where did this show go wrong? It's a really fun time. You guys are not going to want to miss this. So head over to the Talking TV channel on YouTube and Spotify to check it out. We go live every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Audio goes up the following Saturday. It's going to be a really great time as we once again battle it out for the throne. Well, Chris, you could indeed say that all roads have been leading here. I'm in my tropical climate right now. I've got my shaved head, and we are ready to end this thing, at least for now, with the latest installment in the Fast and Furious, F9 underscore the Fast Saga. Chris, you've watched all the movies. You're all prepped. You're officially part of the cult, man. You got anything to say before we start? Yeah, man, I, I just love that you're wearing your Fast and Furious shirt, and I'm wearing my Jurassic Park shirt. I think this go, should go on record as this is the first time that I've ever worn the appropriately themed shirt for the movie that we're talking about. Yeah, and possibly the crossover of the century to come. So we'll see you guys Dude. in the podcast, it seems. Stay tuned. Alright buddy, we're here. F9. It's officially happening, man. We didn't we didn't think we would see the day. We didn't think we would see it, but yet here we are, man. It finally came out in theaters. Is it is it the savior of theaters the way that every fucking publication in the world is trying to say? Or did this just happen to be the latest installment in this ever more growing stupid saga that <laughs> everyone just turns out to watch? Honestly, I think that the whole is it the savior thing, any film that comes out further into the future could potentially be the savior because we've been yeah. going to the theaters since things opened up. We went and saw nobody. There was one other person in there with us. Then we go and we see um, like a In the Heights type film around that time frame and there's a few more people. And now we're here and the theater was almost packed at like a 6 p.m. showing. Don't forget about so, Quiet Place. Don't forget about that. Right, right. Exactly. Quiet Place, uh, In the Heights, they kind of came out more when people were getting a little more comfortable. But now there was even more people in the theaters than when we went and saw films like that in that time frame. So I just think like, yeah, it's obviously the savior for now. And then two months go by and even more people get comfortable with going to the theaters. And then that's the savior. Like the next the, one is the savior. The press. It's and just I don't ever get growing much, hyperbole. Yeah, exactly. It's all hyperbole. I don't want to get too much off the topic, but considering that, you know, a big criticism of this film was the central focus, I think I can take a little creative liberty here and just deviate for a second before we get into it when I say that click-based media is the downfall of anything that we know and love when it comes to getting our news or entertainment news or, or anything like that. Like that, is this the savior is fishing for a story. 
it's true. It's true. I just wanted to read off one uh, Facebook post from the Facebook group that I'm in that I've gotten multiple screeners for. Uh, that basically said, uh, the 4 p.m. IMAX showing of F9 at Lincoln Square was absolutely packed and the entire audience cheered and hollered and screamed when they went into space. We back. And then there was a comment, apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently someone else commented on that and said, wait, is this not the exact same showtime that someone tweeted about getting in the, about somebody in the audience audibly getting a blowjob? Which, that's just, that's just wow. fantastic right there. If, like, you want to talk about, like, uh, normally, you're right, I, I, I'm 100% with you as far as kind of the hyperbole of clickbase news but just for in order to get stories like that like it's worth it so people are back to being people oh that's they are. all well, that the tells question me is, yeah well the question is is are they back to being people or are they still the same and it's just a matter of you know but they're back to doing it in public and getting captured doing stupid shit on social media sounds like a Which different podcast like- for a different day but you know yes indeed but so dude i mean we we literally just spent the last eight weeks introducing you to the saga so let's get into it man spoiler free thoughts like what did you think just of this movie i know it's gonna be hard to kind of i feel like talk about these without talking about the saga as a whole but just individually with this movie what were your thoughts yeah so you know i had a great time with this series i enjoyed the ride i thought it was something that i grew to love that i never thought i would and you know i think the big franchises of today kind of I think I wrongfully lumped them under the same umbrella because I had done a huge MCU binge during the pandemic and really upped my knowledge and and crossed off so many of the films I hadn't seen and I had caught up on Mission Impossible which is uh, arguably very close in regards to the Fast and Furious franchise and, and and they both just weren't for me you know I also went and I caught up on the DCEU even though there was not that many films there were still a few that I just hadn't seen and I made sure that I saw them all and I realized while the DCEU was like the the one I enjoyed the most out of all of these franchises, they all share so many similarities that I just felt discouraged. I said, wow, is this what we're heading? It's, you know, same, uh, you know, same movie, but with a different sort of cosmetic look on top of it, aesthetic on top of it. And I just, it was very disheartening. And so I was a little bitter going into this, but this franchise, like I said, it like quite literally, I fell in love with it. It's it's uh, the silliest, I think, of all the big franchises we have running right now. But but I also think that's a part of its charm. And I, I did not expect to enjoy so many of these films in the way that I have. Going back, revising my rankings, trying to be as honest as I can to get to this point. And to be honest, not many films, aside from the bad ones, fell down a totem pole. It fell down a, a point or two on my scores on my letterbox. I mean, they really have held their own water, which is, for some of them, like the first three. It's been almost two months now since we did those recordings to, to release them, so... The fact that they've stayed that consistent in regards to how I rate and rank films for this long, I think really speaks to just the quality. And and, and as we lose quality, you still have the lovability of the family here. And I think that's a big part. And at least it keeps some sort of human thread throughout the whole thing. Yeah, look, I've, I've been with this franchise a long time. A long, long time. Not as long as some other people because, I mean, this year is the franchise hits 20 years, which is still fucking insane to me. But how, how uh, one franchise can continue for that long, like, no offense, but for all of that Marvel was touting that 10 years a couple years ago when Infinity War came out, and this franchise has been rocking a solid 20. Not to mention the fact that this is probably the only original 
uh, blockbuster I, fr IP franchises going on because even the Mission Impossible movies are based off of the old TV show from the 60s. So the fact that this is original and it's as diverse as it is, I know a lot of people like to tout like the whole ho supposed ho diversity that Hollywood puts out when really it isn't. But like this franchise is like the first one that's like actually incredibly diverse and does not subscribe to any of like the Hollywood, the typical Hollywood BS, which is why I've always kind of given this a lot of credit above kind of the rest of the generic action franchises. But that's just the objective standpoint, right? This is Fast and Furious. I'm not here to be objective, right? I've been with this franchise since I was 12, 13 years old when I saw Fast Five in the theaters for the first time. I'm only here to talk about family and how, and how fucking stupid these stunts were and how awesome they were. But if I could say one thing to me that this film definitely captured that we'll say the last couple since Furious 7 kind of missed, right? Because we talked about this on our Fate of the Furious and our upcoming Hobbs and Shaw first time watch, which will be dropping two weeks after this comes out. The thing that those movies seem to be missing, <clears throat> besides obviously one Paul Walker, is the fact that it seemed to be kind of missing that element of family that kind of made those the, a lot of these movies so special, right? Because even in the even in the supposed kind of worst movies in like the franchise's earlier days, when they weren't sure if they even had a franchise, when they kept trading up people in and out, they still kind of always had that kind of everlasting sense of camaraderie. Like even in Tokyo Drift, when Sean bonds with Han for the first time, like you get that sense where it's you're, you're like, okay, like even though the, the the seeds weren't there at the time, you still felt like this was a part of something bigger, you know, in a way that it really doesn't feel like that with most franchises and even though this film has its fair share of silly stuff and fair share of stupid stuff and like we we were all at the theater last night watching this movie me it was my second time watching it i swear to god watching you guys watch this movie was even better than it was watching the movie the first time and i already watched that movie the first time was already probably the most one of the most fun times i've had in the theater just in my entire life and this film definitely, I feel like, brought back a lot of the elements that it felt like were missing in the last couple. Where the last couple movies, it felt like these were starting to devolve and slide into more generic action movie territory, you know? And it took me a couple times with watching Fate of the Furious where I'm like, oh no, is this... I'm like, it's a victim of 2017. Is this going to go down the rabbit hole that all these other action movies did? And we were worried, like we were talking about it. It's like, okay, is Justin Lin and the return of Han going to be kind of the fuse that this franchise needs? And while... I don't necessarily know if it was. I can definitely say that this movie brought back a lot of the elements that, to me, is what made the Fast and Furious movie special. Not at all a perfect movie. Heavily, heavily flawed. Don't get me wrong. We're, 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 we got a lot of stupid shit that we're going to talk about that happened in this movie. But right, as right, far right. as those elements go, that those elements are what sets this movie above not only the last couple entries in this franchise, but also kind of... The, the you know kind of the rest of the ilk let's say sure. of action movies that were starting to become super generic yeah and you know it is a very like i want to touch on a few of your points there like in regards to the whole you know diversity thing like yeah this film just cast what it feels like are the best characters for the role and it didn't matter you know their race nationality creed any of that like it's just it just happens to be a beautifully diverse cast and they all work perfectly like no one else could play roman it, it doesn't matter like no there's one. so many talented actors out there no one else could play him ludicrous supplies surprisingly a great actor and you can't replace yeah. him like really obviously good. no one's going to be able to play letty or dom like it's just so it's like yeah this movie does what 
Hollywood loves to pat themselves on the on the back for yet we we don't see that much of it, which is awesome because considering they started before people uh, were a little more conscious of that, it, it just kind of shows like the the change I think that we all want to see as movie fans like in that representation side. It's it's very interesting to see how like this is the franchise that that does that because of all the flack it gets i think people always want to come into a review of these movies in a jokey and silly manner and certainly this film out of any others warrants that the most but they also kind of do a lot that you know you shouldn't take for granted like even with the scope of these films transitioning from street racers who are like you know low level city crime bosses to to becoming super spies like it, it, for the most part I don't know anyone else who could pull it off in the way that they have. Yes, it's zany. Yes, it's crazy. But also, at the same time, it's it's not too far-fetched when you watch them all. I mean, there's a consistency there. And I yeah. think that they... There's a gradual build throughout the movies that allows right. the silliness to be like more acceptable as time goes on. And I will say, I think F9 is... While there have been previous jumping the shark moments, I think this is fully where we've ended up on, no pun intended, a different planet. But, I mean, think about this, okay? Think about this. I didn't plan for that either. That's that's amazing how that oh, happened. Oh, that's, that's what makes it but, even better. Uh, that's what makes it even better. Think about this, right? We, at least with this franchise, had Justin Lin, who's directed a plethora of films. We had one one writer who, up until this film, was here for the entirety of it. So, like, there has been some tender love and care that, whereas much as the DCEU has some hits, like those three Snyder films, which I, I really love, I, I tout Man of Steel all the time in our friend circle as one of the most underrated comic book films of all time. I'll come around on that movie, honestly. But the, the thing about it is, it's like... The reason why we have such tonal differences in the DCEU is because there's not that core thread, that that communication. Whereas Fast and Furious, yes, it's it's crazy, it's ridiculous, it's nuts, especially where we're at right now. But at, at least it, it feels like we got there in a way that makes sense. So, like, I do have to give them some credit for going on for 20 years, for still making billions of dollars, and just managing to not implode on itself. I mean, that is a big yeah. feat. Yeah, it, it really is. And like, it, it, it's funny because I feel like every time that I want to like come out and be like and join on the crowd that just likes to dog on these movies, every time I watch them, it just it gives me that one reason that it like reminds me. I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I love this franchise. It's for the little moments, you know. You and I have talked a lot about these movies in the last like eight weeks that we've been doing these first time watches. But one of the biggest things is that like, yeah, their characters are actually like really awesome and the reason why because they'll buy into the silliness is because we love these characters and we love watching them do stuff and we love watching them interact and even though the character of Dominic Toretto has evolved from like a pretty dope human being that like anybody can fall in love with to like this superhuman who literally achieved god level status in this movie like that I don't even I don't know if that's a spoiler or not no, but not. let me know but either <laughs> either way like Dominic Toretto is officially no longer human in this movie like I know they've been hinting at it the last couple movies but this was the one where he officially achieved god level status but we're still on board with him because every time he cracks one of those cheesy ass one liners or mentions family for the 18,000th time for the row. You're like, you like that because you still remember Dom. Yeah. And you still remember those humble beginnings because they keep bringing it up as those, them referencing DVD hijackers. Even though they've gone and become like these Bond-esque super spies with these superhuman abilities that are fighting drones and submarines and swinging across bridges like Tarzan. Like, 
We still love it because we still love these characters because that's ultimately what it is. Exactly. You nailed it on the head, and I think it's time to move into other segments. So yes. before we jump out of our spoiler-free section, I just want to share with everyone what my grandma said when I told her what movie I was going to see last night. And she said, oh, I've seen the commercial for that one. That's one, she said, that's the one with the big, bald muscle guys who drive the car into outer space, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, that's the plot. Honestly, that's the plot. Nailed it. So, dead on yep, with that. Dead on. That's hilarious. So what were your guys' spoiler-free thoughts for Fast and Furious, F9, The Fast Saga? Oh, man, I can't wait to get into this. But before we do, please subscribe, hit that bell so you get notified and you never miss when we post a video. And, of course, help us out a lot by giving this video a like. It honestly does more than you would think. So with that being said, Roman begged a great question in this film, Dom. He really did. He really did. And we're here to discuss if he was right. So I have to ask you, dude, like... Is this the new Marvel? Are, are, are they superheroes? <laughs> are they invincible? Like, was Roman right? I mean, look, let's face it. These movies have essentially become the Marvel, a, in a way, a better version of the Marvel movies. I think the only difference being that rather than the Marvel movies, which tend to branch off and focus on these individual characters before bringing them into the team-up, these movies just skip all that and just put us right into the team-ups every time. And that's why they keep getting progressively more and more, and aw- more awesome. Because I'm like, yeah, that's cool watching Captain America on his own, right? But the problem is is that the quality of the individual solo character Marvel movies kind of waxes and wanes, but at the very least, I know when I'm getting a team-up movie, I know I'm going to get something awesome. That's why, like, I'm kind of less harsh on the team-up movies than I am on the individual movies, because I just know I'm not going to get the same type of impact from them. (laughs) Sorry. And the Fast movies kind of solve that problem immediately by just saying, with starting with Fast Five, where they're just like, nah, fuck it. We're just going to do team-up movies every time. And I just, I, I wanted to bring up a couple other points that I just had off the top of my head. I was listening to a podcast, a ranking of these movies yesterday on the Big Picture podcast, and Amanda Dobbins actually brought up one of the probably the funniest points I think yet, which kind of sums up all of our problems with the titles of these movies, which is that, wow, the only place where they actually decide to be like kind of clever is with the titles, <laughs> which... <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. But like... I feel like before we even get into kind of the whole invulnerability aspect and whether these are superheroes, I feel like since this is like we're in spoiler territory now, I feel like we just have to break down like what actually happened in this movie because I think that I said to you, and I said this to a couple different people after I saw this movie, which is where I'm like, wow, for a Fast and Furious movie, there was a lot of plot that happens in this movie, like a lot. I know the Fast and Furious movies, they tend to be a little bit more plot heavy than the last one. Obviously, we know the first movie is, a, is essentially a remake of Point Break, but with cars, we know that. We're not here to talk or debate that. But like, can we just like break down what happens in this movie? Because weirdly enough, I feel like this is probably the only time where we could actually do this, where essentially the plot of this movie is that Dom and Letty are living off the grid. Roman Tej and Ramsey show up, be like, hey, Mr. Nobody captured Cypher from the last movie, you know, the villain from Fast 8 who was played by Charlize Theron. His plane got hijacked randomly, and now we got to go get this super secret piece of, like, crucial information, latest MacGuffin, whatever. They, they, the Fast and Furious has kind of gotten into the MacGuffin game as well, another reason why I feel like it's not unfair to compare it to Marvel. They go to this random, again, I'm like, wow, it's good to see that we're bringing back that 80s trope of just making up random, (laughs) made-up South American countries, South and Central American countries. And they find out that the person that they're up against is none other than Dom's secret, long-lost, who we had no idea who was a thing, brother, Jacob Toretto, portrayed by John Cena. And the film then goes on to give us this CW-esque lifetime flashback where we get to see, like, kind of the origins of... 
Dom and Jacob growing up and what led to their estrangement, obviously, which is tied in with the death of their father, who was played in a surprising moment by Mayans MC Lee, J.D. Pardo. And the movie just then goes, and you want to talk jumping the shark? No, 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 no. I still stand by the statement. We jumped the shark three movies ago with F7 when they drove a fucking car through three buildings. That was their, was this franchise's jumping the shark moment right here, right? We're talking, we're traveling internationally. We're in London. We got the Tokyo Drift guys back and they're making rocket cars. Fucking Mia shows up out of nowhere and just in order to name drop Brian and continue to remind us, oh yeah, even though Paul Walker's dead, Brian is still a thing in this franchise. We find out that Jacob, it turned out, worked for Mr. Nobody in the past. And then, and that's not even getting into the hot of it all, which we got to save for our hot segment because, like, there's a whole relationship that Justin Lin has with coming back to this franchise that kind of ties in with Han and that character. So I'll save that for later on. But, like, oh my God, the amount of plot flashbacks, over-the-top stuff, right? We're, we, we, we know what we get we, with a Fast and Furious movie. We go in, we're going to get a lot of references with family, we're going to get a lot of stupid stunts, and we're going to have at least one emotional hardcore moment. But this is the first time in, I think, any of these movies where I'm like, oh my god, I think I actually have to, like, focus and pay attention because this movie's throwing a lot at me as far as that, as far as that goes. And that's not even getting into the invulnerability aspect where, oh, all of a sudden now these movies are going to try and be meta. And these movies are going to try and be like, okay, so we're going to have Roman, who again has been the best fucking YouTube commentator throughout all of these movies since he made his reappearance in the franchise with five. And it's him kind of like giving this like kind of pseudo meta commentary track. Now they just full on made him like the, essentially like kind of the commentator of this movies. And it's even gotten to the level where Roman even has a bit in this movie where he's like, guys, are we actually invulnerable? I just got shot at by 18 guys and all that I have to show for it is a hole filled shirt. Like, are we actually invulnerable? So that's where I got to throw it back to you. What do you make of just like the amount of plot in this movie? Do you think that there's enough, that there is way too much plot in this movie going on for its own good and like how that kind of ties together with the whole invulnerability thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where here's the disparity now between Marvel and the Fast and Furious franchise. Because while I would say arguably Infinity War and Endgame had a lot of paperwork and a lot of uh, housekeeping to do to get you to understand yeah. what exactly yeah. was going on, they did it in such a way that as much as I think, you know, uh, I, I can't stand CG screen films anymore, uh, it, it was tasteful. It, it didn't take you out of the experience. You weren't having to sit there with a notepad in the theater and write things down, whereas I felt a little underprepared because I left my writing utensils at home coming into this one. Bro. Thankfully, Bro. thankfully, this was such a surface level movie where it didn't matter because it was all very predictable. But the thing is, they did throw a lot at you. I think a lot of that comes in the whole separation of the ensemble and sort of towards the end, the third act, everyone has their own piece to play. Whereas in other films that was present in this one, it was very specifically where on all different parts of the world. I mean, hell, uh, spoiler alert, Tej and Roman go into outer space. So it's like we obviously are going to get some alone time and some individual teamwork to make the dream work type of situation. And I will say it's uh, thank God it wasn't. Thank God it wasn't convoluted. Thank God it was very straightforward and clean cut and, and, yeah. and kind of hidden behind uh, explosions and special effects. Because if this was a film you had to concentrate on, 
I, I, I don't think I would have cared enough if it was, um, you know, more serious. I think the fact that they leaned into the whole jokey nature and had Roman be the sort of unofficial but really official YouTube commentator or sort of audience representation, I, I think had we not had that, I would have been bored because never have I had a film with this much plot where I'm sitting there wishing I could like, you know, it's strange because I wasn't really wishing I could check my phone, but I also felt like, man, like, what am I doing here right now? Like, yes, this is fun. This is funny. <laughs> but but the thing is, while it was fun and it was funny, I, I genuinely actually like this franchise for, like, serious reasons. And so a part of me felt the same way I did when we were watching that final um, Star Wars film, you know, um, The the Last Jedi. It's... Uh, it just felt Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker. Uh, whatever the last one was, I don't fucking care. They Rise all suck. They all suck. I don't blame the, you. The, the, the new, I don't blame the new you. three sucked, but I guess it was Rise of Skywalker. But it, a part of me felt like I did in that theater watching that film. It felt wrong. It felt dirty, and it felt like I was. It felt like I wasted time because of how much time we put into watching these previous films, and then it also felt sad because like a part of what I love about doing this podcast and this medium is like, and it's the reason I'm the TV guy, right? It's like getting hooked and addicted to characters over the span of a long term and watching them grow and develop and continuing to strive for more. And, and, and it just feels wrong when you watch something you love, like die in front of you, especially artistically as we're both creators and artists. And so like a part of me was just like, after a while, it's like, the laughing stopped being as fun as it was kind of sad, you know, and pathetic. And so it's like, that. that's why I'm like, maybe Roman, you know, maybe they do need to embrace this sort of alternate reality Earth 2 type thing they were hinting at. Because at this point, the fact that they were still, they were still trying to hold on to a shred of, I, I would say, uh, seriousness, I think there shouldn't have been any. Because it just was sad for the people like me who genuinely really grew to love this franchise like it just hurt a little bit does that does that make sense to you yeah I, I get where you're coming from definitely like my whole thing with it is that I'm not gonna necessarily say my peak kind of has surpassed but like my phase of Fast and Furious movies let's call it kind of ended somewhere between seven and eight right eight I loved it when I saw it in theaters obviously we know I was inebriated beyond belief when I saw that and upon subsequent viewings I've, I've started to realize I'm like oh okay these franchise this franchise has moved on and now that we've quite literally passed the jumping the shark moment my whole thing is look I, I, it's kind of damn near impossible for me to actually, like, critique these movies as far as that goes, but, like, I'm going to critique on all of the shit that I'm going to say that's wrong, and there was a lot of that in this movie, but at the same time, I'm also like, look, I, I, I don't come... This is probably the only time, the only franchise where I can say this, where it's like, look, I'm not here for in order to like kind of focus on the things that are wrong like i'm just gonna enjoy those and kind of add them into my own private commentary track because i swear to god dude i am pissed that i didn't like kind of sneakily like record my reaction to watching this movie the first time because i swear to god it might be the greatest commentary track i've ever done like ever like the, if, and don't get me wrong i still got in a few comments last night that i wasn't able to get in the first time around but oh man it was, it was I, I threw in some gems there. I, I think some of my favorites were i'm like when John Cena's partner, whoever the fuck that guy is, came in, I'm like, wow, they got the best Carrie Elwes impersonator I've 
ever see. That was insane. Yeah. And just the, the, the bits with the flashback, like they were fucking dumb. And I knew that they were going to be bad because I'm like, wow, just sort of mm-hmm. like the only thing that could be dumber than Vin Diesel at this point in the franchise is, a, is somebody trying to play a younger Vin Diesel. And like, I don't want to throw any shade the actor's way because the actor was just trying to play the part and he was doing his best. But I just, I, I'm like, oh yeah. man, this is, this is doomed to begin with. And then like, and the, 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 the movie also almost, I feel like had to bend over backwards. I don't know with the amount of retcons it was doing within the rest of the franchise in order to like Obviously. make Tokyo Drift more succinct but also like how it almost had to remind you like oh yeah there are other elements that are here like first off just reminding you that Charlie Theron is in this movie where it's like okay we clearly wanted to do this thing with John Cena but we have to continually remind you, okay, Charlize is still in this movie. Kurt Russell literally couldn't even be bothered to actually like be a part of the main action. He's only in flashbacks this time, the Mr. Nobody character, right? And that's not even getting into the whole Hobbs and Shaw of it all, where even though we all know about how bad the feud is between The Rock and Vin Diesel, and I feel bad for the work that these producers are going to have to do in order to be able to get The Rock and Jason Statham back for the next movie, but... Um, but we know, obviously, that but that they still have, obviously, the Hattie Shaw not the Hattie Shaw, the Magdalene Shaw cameo, the Helen Mirren cameo in this movie in order to remind you, oh yeah, they're still part of this universe and all that. It's like, uh, it's so tough because I'm like, yeah, they're all problematic and yeah, it's stupid, but I'm like, I'm just having fun with it. I really am. And I'm laughing and I'm commendating to myself and I really can't say do that with any other franchise is the thing. No, yeah, and and I I see all your points and I, I definitely agree with pretty much the majority of those points. And I will say like, I obviously had a great time in the theaters. We were laughing. We were cheering. We, we did the whole nine. I mean, I'm sure many of you out there did the same thing. It's just, I guess like I looked at this franchise as sort of like the ultimate F you to everyone who's so obsessed with this one type of movie because Marvel has so homogenized the whole industry and people can't see anything else. And, and, and I just looked at this as like, I don't know, sort of like a subtle nod to like everyone realizing like, yeah, we're a little ridiculous, right? Like this is, there's other good stuff out there. It doesn't always have to be crazy explosions and crazy superheroes. And I always felt there was some sort of like meta nature to these films where they were almost like the outsiders of Hollywood, sort of like the forgotten about franchise that still makes the billions of dollars that still is up there with the big boys, but for some reason doesn't play the game the same way. And so I kind of respected that about them, like almost like the outlaw action franchise that still had some roots in old action storytelling and at least wasn't playing the whole hey like butts and seats twitter clickbait game and somewhere along the line we lost that but the problem is we held on to that longer than all of the rest of them in my opinion sort of staying true and not sort of you know being a good sheep and walking the line that everyone else does and so it's just it's upsetting to see that because yeah it's like they were the last line of defense it's like when the wall goes down in game of thrones and the wildlings just come right in it's like there's no more line of defense now and that's just how i feel about it because like with this franchise pretty much being like an avengers film for at least two in a row now with fate in this one it's like okay so we've lost all originality like it's it's fully has died because I can't name another yeah. big action franchise that will have its own unique sort of foot to stand on. Because now this one just fits right into the drag and drop mold, the copy and paste mold that all the rest of them do. And it's just upsetting. Oh, man. And I, I mean, look, The Matrix is coming back, but we'll see what happens with that. Keep like, in mind, too, 
Again, keep in mind too, you still have to watch the three John Wick movies. That's the That's other true. thing that I'll throw your way. But as I'm well. talking about like the saga franchises, you know, like the yeah. MCU's, the DCEU's, yeah. the Mission Impossible's, the time tested, tired and true, not just of a decade, but of a culture type franchises. Because this right. is a culture at this point, you know, it's quite so, literally to say the least. nicknamed the Fast and Furious cult, right? Like that's a thing, and so oh yeah, you know, it's just like every time we have a modicum of of seriousness or actual good performance, we do something stupid like keep Charlize Theron in the box. It's like first of all, I, I don't know what's going on with her hair. I don't know why she can't just have normal looking Bro, hair. How did she get it redone she's, that quickly? She's got to be. I don't. She's got to be one of the like most nor- like gorgeous actresses out there right now, and she- her hair looks terrible in both of these movies. I don't get it. <laughs> but but aside from all that, let me just say it's like she's like her and, and Helen Mirren, right? That's who was playing um, Shaw's yeah, mother. Yeah, the mom. Yeah, that, yeah, Shaw's They're mother. They're like who is awesome in this movie, by the way. And the yeah. one the one other note that I'll throw in: Dom and her had more chemistry, yes. I think, with any other with any other character that he's had with any other character in this franchise since Brian in that one scene. And, and I think another reason why I'm so upset with this film: it's like outside of Roman being perfect for what this film has become, they give me, you know, glimmers of what we could be, and it's so sad comparing what we could be to what we are, which is, we'll get into it with Han and John Cena in a few seconds, but it's just like, there is hope in this franchise, and for some reason, we just keep taking the wrong turn, and I just can't take it, you know? Wow. And we thought the and we thought the car puns were done, but no. The one thing that I'll, that I'll give credit to Tyrese in this movie is obviously we know that even though Tyrese is like the, his role, he's the buffoon, he's the commentator, he's the guy who's always the butt of every joke and all that. I'll give him credit though for this movie. This is probably the first time since his introduction in the franchise, all the way back in Too Fast, Too Furious, where it actually felt like he was giving a legitimate, believable performance and not just mugging for the camera. I'll give him a lot of credit there. He rebounded hard from fate. He wasn't doing the usual just yelling every three seconds. He wasn't doing like everything that he was doing. It felt like he was actually taking with a modicum of seriousness. And I don't know what caused that turn, but whatever the case may be, like I'm I'm down with it. If this is like kind of the future that we're gonna get of Tyrese in this movie, like it kind of works. Like when they actually had the moment where they went into space and it's ludicrous is doing the all the jokey lines and Tyrese is kind of just like rightfully so scared shitless. I don't know. It, that 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 was the best element of the movie to me personally. Yeah. Y- you know though. That, it, to me, the problem is we've gone so silly and so zany that where I think we could have stayed more super spy, aging, a little more grounded style film, it, it, it's going to be hard for them, I think. We already know they have five films on the board. They have this potential Jesus. Dominic Toretto origin story, which Vin Diesel's been pushing hard for for years. They have oh, F10 God. and 11, and there's at least two Hobbs and Shaw about. films. So it's like... Don't forget also the female Fast and Furious spinoff true. that we've heard about that's been rumored true, as true, well. True, true, true. So it's like... At least the females are recast, but for all those other ones, I mean, I don't know if you noticed this, everyone's looking old, you know, there's only so much makeup can hide, yeah. and they're looking Although, old. Although, I will say, I will say, I agree with you for the most part with everyone else, but I will say Michelle Rodriguez has never looked better. I no, will no. say that, Michelle, I don't know, with the short hair, Michelle Rodriguez has never looked better. They looked better. great, all of them, but they looked older. It's a, You can really yeah, see they did look older. from 2017 did look to older. now, they have aged quite a bit, and this film was yes. pushed back a year. 
So it's like yes, it was. It was supposed to open originally April of last we can, year. We can so. begin shooting now, and they're even older. I I, I don't know, but anyways, we gotta keep this yeah. podcast moving and talking about other topics. So we gotta keep we 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 got we gotta keep the gas and the and the Nas fueled. So we do. So you guys let us know. Was was Roman right? Is this the new Marvel? As much as I hate to say that, yeah. it might be. But anyways, let us know in the comments below. Give this video a like. Turn on that bell so you never miss when we post a video. And of course. Please subscribe. Dom, did you know that 17% of your YouTube subscribers <laughs> aren't subscribed to your channel? Yes! You yes. guys could change that. Uh, you guys could subscribe right now and help us change that statistic. <laughs> I was waiting for that bit to come back. That's like the greatest bit you've ever come up with, I think, throughout the history of this podcast. But let's get into it. Let's get into the hot of it all, right? So there were obviously two big things that we knew going into this movie, besides the fact that they were going to outer space. Like, that's, that's been talked about to death. We know that. Like, well, we'll get into that a little bit later. But we knew that John Cena was going to be playing Dom's brother. And it's funny because, like, the minute that I heard that John Cena was cast in this movie... I'm like, okay, fucking, so he's got to be either a cousin or a brother. And then they said it in the trailer. I'm like, wow, so we're getting to the point where even the trailer is, like, guessing is guessing the things beforehand. Like, I called the, it being that Cypher had Dom's kid, and that's the only thing that she had on Dom is to get him to turn bad. And I called that, and that wasn't even revealed in the trailer. And I called that John Cena was going to be his brother. And... Um, so, so I guess we're, so I guess we're like overstepping a little, we're going to talk about the John Cena of it first, but you brought up a really interesting point last night after we were done with the theater, which was so fucking accurate. And I can't believe I didn't realize this where, what was it you said? Something along the lines of like, they found a way to use John Cena without actually using John Cena, something like that. Like you tell, because you'll, you'll be able to tell it better than I can. Yeah. Um, so we were watching this film with, uh, friends of the podcast, of course, Patrick W. Huber and the Cheruli twins, Professor Pat, who all of you guys know. And I was sitting next to Chris, um, the uh, the younger of the Cheruli twins by a few minutes, and he was uh, him and I were like, he, he he turned to me and he's like, dude, John Cena's so flat, and I was like, yeah, thank God he's like only saying like five word sentences and like barely speaking. If you guys noticed, he was more his character was in the film a lot in the flashbacks. He was barely in the film. And he was the villain. I could not... There must have been some editing that went on where they're like, dude, this guy can barely read his lines. He was so terrible. He's going back and forth with Charlize so Theron. Bad. He's so bad. A modern day powerhouse. Such an elegant and stunning performer who's doing too much of a performance in this film like she's too good for this movie with nothing yeah she's too yeah she's in a box and she's giving an amazing performance like she's just that good of an actress (laughs) that it doesn't matter the script could be terrible she could be reading a bubblegum commercial and she's still gonna sell it and make you invested in it and then you have john cena john cena looks like a box yeah john cena's head and forehead and chin look like a box and they even comment (laughs) on his chin in this movie and he's clearly looks so old now. I grew up watching WWE. John Cena looks old as fuck, dude. And it's so sad to see. And she's just like giving her all. And he's just like firing back with the most monotone, terrible lines. And, and that must have been a scene that they couldn't edit out. Because if you guys notice, as the rest of the film went on, and I know they don't shoot films chronologically, but they definitely cut out a lot of John Cena's talking and they really just kept his action. Like half the film, his, his appearance, John Cena... Not the actor who's playing him, his character in the flashbacks, but actual physical John Cena is just grappling across London for like a five minute span. Like he has five minutes of screen time off in the distance as a grapple, a.k.a. his stunt double was on screen more than him. It was phenomenal, (laughs) dude. I loved it. Like they knew what they were doing. Editing is one hell of a drug. 
I'll tell you that much. Editing is, as we've learned from our friend Brando, Brando Critic, is the thing that truly does make movies. I've heard stories about how a movie can will absolutely suck and an editor will somehow save it. And yeah. I could not agree more because I also just want to point out the irony too, right? That Vin Diesel and The Rock had such this gigantic feud going on. And what's their solution? Oh, we're just going to bring in another wrestler because that won't cause any other problems on set at all. Look, John Cena's had a long history in Hollywood now and it's kind of been like a back and forth response to him, right? He When he, when he first broke in, First off, WWE, they were putting him in all these terrible action movies, these direct-to-DVD movies. He was in, like, five of these movies called The Marine, yeah. right? I remember the first time I saw him in a movie was with this movie called 12 Rounds that came out in 2009, where he went up against Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, basically, back when he was playing villains all the time, basically, where he had to play this game of, 12, uh, of like, doing 12 challenges around the city. Kind of like, almost, it was like a Die Hard 3 ripoff, basically, where he had to save his girlfriend by doing all these weird challenges. It was, it was weird, and I didn't take anything away from him and then i saw him in this movie called legendary which is like a kind of a generic oh like coming of age sports drama oh kind of a geeky kid wants to get into wrestling so wants to connect with his brother who's a former wrestler who's played by john cena i think john cena was only like 30 31 at the time but even so i'm like dude you you are not 25 you are not 25 like it's just that right so but in recent years he's kind of undergone this weird phenomenon where He's been in a lot of these comedies, and from what I've heard, they've actually like suited him really well, because I think, weirdly enough, right, we've talked about this a lot, I feel like, with a lot of different wrestlers that have made the transition over into film, right? First with The Rock, obviously, then with Dave Bautista, and now I feel like with John Cena really coming into his own, right? And John Cena is obviously going to do the whole Dave Bautista route, obviously, when he appears in The Suicide Squad later this year. And the thing that I've heard is that when he's in a comedy... The comedy is playing to his sensibilities. And the whole thing, right, which I've, I've heard James Gunn talk about this, and it actually makes a lot of sense as to why he works seems to work the best with wrestlers, which is that wrestlers already have this gigantic personality from their WWE days, right? And so the whole problem that Hollywood has always had, and it's not just with wrestlers, right? It's I feel like every time they try to bring other personalities from other elements of the entertainment industry, right? It's why they always have a hard time with musicians, with, um, you know, which is every other facet of the entertainment industry, which is that, Look, you're, it, it is folly to try and squeeze these already established personas into trying to play these other characters, right? Obviously, we know that's the foundation of acting, but you're not hiring these guys for their acting ability, right? You're hiring them for their personality and because they're a big-name draw, right? So why do you try to squeeze them into this box? Like, the reason why James Gunn made Drax the Destroyer work as well as he did was because he, he intentionally allowed that character to play to Batista's strengths and and allowed him to like flex and use his personality. It also helps that Batista actually like is a like actually a pretty damn good actor and like actually like pays attention and does these cues. I feel like way better than the Rock and John Cena does. But in a weird way I feel like that's what happened with all these comedies that John Cena was in, right? They hired him because it's easy to do celebrity cameos and um what's it called in comedies, right? And so that's what worked with his movie when he popped up in Trainwreck right, is that he's kind of playing to these sense of, to, they're, they're playing to his sensibilities, he's not really having to play this part, and then he did the same thing with this other kind of lower down comedy that came out a couple years ago, and the latest of a long line of super bad ripoffs that came in the last couple of years called Blockers, right, that movie with like, I still think has one of the cleverest titles I think ever, but where he plays one of the three single dads that is trying to stop them, and from what I heard, he's actually like pretty good and pretty funny in that movie, and the minute that I heard he was cast in the Suicide Squad, and saw him in that trailer, I'm like, oh, perfect, Gunn's gonna do the same thing that he did with Batista, and Guardians of the Galaxy, where he's going to allow him to play to his sensibilities, and that's the mistake they made with this movie, is they tried, they they cast him in this movie 
for his personality, but they tried to actually have him play a part because they're trying to actually have him act opposite Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, we know, obviously, has his own persona and does his own thing, but Vin Diesel, at the end of the day, is an actor, and John Cena is not. And so, you know it's embarrassing when you see John Cena and Vin Diesel in a room, and Vin Diesel still is acting circles around him, even with his typical grunts, and that's the mistake they made with this movie with John Cena. And of course, they didn't realize it until they were on set, and by then it was already too late, so they just had to rely on the editing. So that, that, that's kind of like my whole take on the John Cena of it all, right? Because you're right, like, props to the younger actor who played him. Finn Cole, that guy, first off, way better than the guy who played Young Dom. Like, I just felt bad. Also, I wanted to comment also on the Cypher comment, besides the fact that she commented on his chin, which was hilarious, the fact that she did the mixed bloodlines thing, because I'm pretty sure that Dom has shifted nationalities three times in this franchise. I think he started off... Like, they, they were kind of vague about it, but I think he started off as Hispanic. Then he kind of shifted into this weird, like, pseudo-Italian phase around Fast Five and Six. And now he's back, and it's fully confirmed right. that he's Hispanic, now that we know that his dad was played by Hispanic. So, like, just the fact that she commented is like, wow, I knew the Torettos had some mixed bloodlines. That comment had me... I almost vomited how hard I was laughing with that comment in the theater. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's just like one of those things where this film has not been able to sort of figure a few things out, let alone a few things, maybe out. more than just a few things. But with that being said, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. So I think it's time to jump into our next segment yeah. here. So that was the John Cena of it all. You guys know the deal. Subscribe, yeah. like, and comment. But now let's talk about the Han of it all. Yes, the Han <laughs> of it all. And I love it too because like Justin Lin, the whole thing of why they were able to do kind of like that perfect crescendo at the end of six, right? And kind of tie it back into Tokyo Drift is the fact that Justin Lin was making that his last movie. And the whole thing of Justin Lin's kind of investment in this franchise was because he was able to bring in the Han character who I'll get into because fun fact, the character of Han as portrayed by Sung Kang is not actually exclusive to the Fast and Furious franchise. That's actually a character that Justin Lin originated in the movie that he directed right before Tokyo Drift that actually got him the Tokyo Drift job. It's this movie called Better Luck Tomorrow where Sung Kang plays the character of Han. And all these years later, Justin Lin in interviews has gone out of his way. I don't remember when. I think it was like around six, I think, when he was doing the promotion for six where they basically asked him, they're like, yeah, the, like Sung Kang, the character that he plays, he's got a lot of similarities to this guy, to this character that he also played Better Luck Tomorrow. And Justin Lin basically came out and said, yeah, it's the same guy. So Better Luck Tomorrow is essentially like kind of a, is essentially kind of factored into the whole Fast and Furious of it all. And the whole thing of why he said goodbye to Han and Six was because that was Justin Lin saying goodbye to the franchise. And his whole thing is okay, Han is my one character that I get to bring to this franchise. And so of course, when it was revealed that Justin Lin was coming back to direct this movie right after James Wan and F. Gary Gray and everything that they had to deal with with their movies that they directed with Seven and Eight, of course, right. I mean, I shouldn't have been as surprised as I was, given this franchise's, like, history of what they've done with certain characters, but, oh man, like, first in the trailer, and then, like, you're waiting the whole movie for him to come back, and that shot, when Han takes out the guys with the sniper, and he stands up, and he's got the blue lighting on his face, and he's got the haircut, I'm like, Justin Lin has been waiting his entire fucking career to do that shot, because it was awesome, like, the actual role that Han plays in this movie, kind of generic as well, but, like, I just needed to get into the origin because, like, it's just so awesome that, like, 
Justin Lin has had this like intimate relationship with this character that he's kind of been able to pull from this kind of you know this like, kind of indie like indie movie that he directed and now had this awesome trajectory to go on to be one of the more beloved characters in the franchise like and, like that's the whole thing that was kind of that kind of song like when he came back both in four and then in five and then six was you're like oh shit wait a minute at some point they're gonna have to tie this around to Tokyo Drift and then they do it and you're kind of stung a little bit because like you're like oh shit like I kind of miss Han because that was at the point where they were like they were dropping bodies first Vince in five then Giselle in six then Han obviously with the whole reason of how they bring in Deckard Shaw to the point where there's only like five of them left of like the original team right but now Han comes back and this is I think where even though I love the character of Han and I love seeing him back and I love any excuse to have Sung Kang on because you want to talk about a man that exudes charisma without having to do anything Sung Kang is one of them but this is where my problems start because the problem is that, look, we already know that Tokyo Drift has been retroactively put into this franchise in, like, I think the worst way possible. Is I still find it hilarious that we're expected to believe that Tokyo Drift takes place after Fast 6, which came out in 2013, when there are obvious references to Tokyo Drift that place it in 2006. So that just always makes yeah, me laugh. Yeah, well. And that's before we even... Little, little, who ain't so little anymore in this movie anymore. But, um, like, they are bending over backwards with the amount of retro uh, of retconning that they're having to do with Han's character like like even even with the amount of explaining that Roman is having to do where it's like yeah can you get to the part where you blow up in a car and then it's like oh so Mr. Nobody like what like had like a pulley that he just pulled him from the car like randomly like I I, I can't explain it like take it from here man because I, I gotta get your thoughts on yeah, this yeah I mean I want to cover new ground so I'll just go back and say I pretty much agree with everything you just said I think Justin Lin got his moment I think Han got his moment it was a very well shot sequence albeit very convenient the fact that the first place they go very to in convenient. japan as letty sits down and they're eating she looks up there's the mexican flag some thugs come and attack them and then down from that same alley when they had their suspicions there is han saving the day of course and then off screen they meet up and they reconnect very convenient but you know what this movie had a lot of plot to cover and it's a bit of those uh end game and infinity war isms where it's just the quick assembly of the team you get it you understand it it's a movie you forgive it so they at least made it cinematic and fulfilling and i think it was a great ode to the character of han because he is i think one of the most beloved characters so my issue with han and and with this part of the show doesn't fall with justin lynn doesn't fall with the character of han or the actor i think that I love the fact that this pair has been through so much together. I think he has such a, chem a charisma and, and chemistry with the rest of the cast. He he's such a natural performer. You can really see the movies he's in definitely go up a peg just because he's there. Whereas when he's not, Fate of the Furious, <laughs> it's a little tougher to um, yeah. to make up for. So what I want to talk about with Han is what him coming back to the franchise does to a series that we know of at least six possible movies, if not more, going forward. There's no stakes anymore. You know, you, you said at nope. least back in the day nope. we knew that Han was on borrowed time because we had seen what happened in Tokyo yeah. Drift. And of yeah. course, there was other deaths in the franchise of major cast members, which said, if something goes wrong, we might not be as invincible as Roman would have us believe. Right. Now we've taken that away, and now we've kind of gotten to this realm of, well, there are these infinity stones and this tesseract and this alternate universe, and, you know, the snap might be able to be reversed, and so that's my <laughs> biggest problem with Marvel. My biggest problem with Marvel, and, and honestly with most comic books, but the DCEU hasn't had as great of legs as Marvel to run and cover as much ground as the MCU has, so the MCU is going to be at the front of this criticism when I say... 
why do I why do I care? Why do I want to keep watching this if I just know what's going to happen? You know, I don't expect Vin Diesel to get killed off, but I mean, you know, Letty was dead and she comes back. It's just I don't understand how we've come into this, and I think it's. You know, for as much as it is a creator problem and a studio problem, I think all those guys got to follow the money, right? I think, I, I, I think it's like you want to work and you want to do what you love, and if you're a filmmaker and you get the opportunity, like I've said before, to direct a Fast and Furious film, you cannot say no to that. You know, it's a billion dollar franchise. Your name is now attached to one of the highest grossing action franchises of all time, and you can't say no to that. But at the same time, the audience doesn't demand as much from the creators as I would maybe hope no. or for whatever reason why we're okay with just sort of rinsing and repeating every three to four years because maybe with social media we forget about the film that came prior and so we're just okay with the same thing just in a different setting. And sure, that's fine. That's fun. I get it. But this is like, it's become procedural in a, in a sense where it's like, all right, well, what are they going to get into this week? Oh, God, they almost died, but we know it's only episode eight of a 22-episode season on the CW right now, so they're going to be back next week. But hey, that was kind of fun for a little while. I shut off my life. I shut off work. I, You know, and it's all right, cool, cool. But, like, I don't really want that. I, I, want, I want the older days of the Fast and Furious to come back. Like, I want to believe that when they're flying through that satellite in outer space, they're actually might be a chance that Roman and Tej might not survive and they are literally doing this sacrifice play for the team but you knew they were going to land back down you knew they were going to be at that barbecue at the end and it's I think it's Han it's you know it's it's Letty coming back it's so many moments that have now I think come together to just show that well we've kind of lost what made this series special what made this franchise a little different than the rest of the homogenized action franchises that we have going around right now. And that's upsetting. You know, it, it, it takes me out of it a little bit because part of the fun yeah. was the insanity and the jokes and, and everything I liked about this movie, yes. But also another part of the fun for this franchise for so long was like, cool, it is ridiculous, it is zany, but like characters can die and they will die if something happens. And we kind of lost that. It's a little upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And honestly, I can only imagine how much, uh, how much, not only a slap of a face it's going to be when they inevitably bring back Gal Gadot for the next two, because you know that they're going to find one. Even though Mr. Nobody, Mr. Nobody had that moment in the flashback with Han where he was like, you know, when Giselle died, I'm like, come on, there's no effing way. There's no effing way. They're, they're, it was a fake out beyond fake outs. Like, they're going to have a thing. I still want them to do a moon base, right? And where Cypher, because we know obviously that it's going to tie around to Hobbs and Shaw, where Cypher is a part of that evil organization that made Brixton in the last one. And they're going to be driving cars and bouncing on the moon. And they're going to have another, like, death cannon that's going to blow up the Earth unless they can fucking race against time in order to stop it. And what I really heard, what I thought would be awesome, is if, like, so people were throwing out, like, okay, who are some other, like, Academy-caliber actors that we want to see in this movie? And somebody threw out Daniel Kaluuya. And I just, my in my brain, I went to the mindset where I'm like, oh, shit, Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out as Idris Elba's son as young Brixton? Cool. I'm like... So oh, it man. seems like you're oh, already man. in our next segment. So let's just get there if you're cool with it. Yeah, absolutely. So like, guys, um, yeah, before bef- we jump into the last segment, I don't know. Let us know what you think. Are we 
you know, just analyzing this too much. I mean, it's like, I saw a Brando critic tweet. He's like, did you guys actually expect this movie to be good? He's like, but also I'm going to do a serious critique of it because it's what I do. And it's like, yeah, I want to do that too, because I think like we need to beg the question of our art, but like, was there stakes for you guys? Are we just like becoming snobby in our three plus years now of doing a podcast? You know, let us know in the, in the comments below if we're justified or if we're not. Please like this video and of course hit that bell to get notified. And, and Dom, you were already taking us there. So it seems like you have so many yes. thoughts. Like, where do you see this franchise going, man? Dude. I mean, look, we know obviously that they've hinted heavily that they're going to do a crossover with Jurassic Park and, and and Transformers and all of these other things. But, like, I was already just speculating as far as what it goes because, I mean, we watched Hobbs and Shaw a couple weeks ago, right? Even though Hobbs and Shaw is very clearly spinning off into its own universe, and they're also still kind of tied in in a weird way, even though Vin Diesel and The Rock kind of hate each other. I think that the biggest mistake that this franchise made as far as not dealing with that before it got too bad, which was kind of playing into the rivalry and actually putting it on screen. Because, like, by the time we get to Seven, right, Dom and Hobbs on screen are, like, best buddies. But, like, you can tell in Seven, like, when Dom and Hobbs have that moment in the hospital room where it's like, oh, God, these guys fucking hate each other in real life, too, you know? I feel like if they played into that a little bit more, I feel like that may have solved some of the issues as far as that goes, uh, of you know, with, with kind of their behind-the-scenes thing. But, like, dude, fucking Moonbase. I, I said this after we got out of the movie last night. Moonbase in the next one, where they take down that cyber terrorist organization that Brixton is a part of, and then in the next movie, they find out, uh-oh, they had a contingency plan where they opened a portal to an alternate universe, and now we got dinosaurs coming through. Dude, I'm telling you, like, the, the uh. even though I know there are no stakes in this franchise, it's essentially become Marvel, but they have the one thing that Marvel does not do, which is that Marvel, with the amount of crazy shit that they've thrown in, Marvel is still playing and grounded, and they're still doing that same old MCU thing, which is why I'm not necessarily gravitating towards some of the newer properties that they've been putting out on Disney+. My whole thing with the franchise, though, is that I'm like, look, you can give me as much bullshit as you want, but go for it. Make it as fucking dumb as possible. And this franchise still goes for it, even though, yes, I agree with you 1,000%. It is predictable. And it has jumped the shark. And there are no stakes. And they are just gonna bring back characters willy-nilly. But dude, the way that I see it is that if they could do the type of stupid shit that internet fanboys have been theorizing about for years and actually do that on the big screen, like, dude, how long were people asking for a remake of Godzilla vs. Kong with the new CG? And then we got it, you know? Like, come on. Like, the, the possibilities are literally endless. Like, they literally went into outer space. People joked about them going into outer space for years. And then they did it. Like, the possibilities are literally endless. So my whole thing is I'm like, okay, you're going to slide into generic territory with your plot. Okay, I won't like it, but whatever. You're going to fucking start copying Marvel with the MacGuffins and the alternate universes and the one-off villains, whatever, whatever. Okay, fine. But do it stupidly and continue to do it with as much gusto and as little fucks given as possible. Because, oh man, I'll say this much, dude. If when, when I, when, I'm saying when I see in the trailer that they're racing around on the moon, literally with laser guns attached to cars, taking out like a death cannon, I'm going to be first in line to buy that ticket. Because, like, th this is what these movies are. And then, like, to quote Lenny, this is what these movies are. And this is what they have become officially, you know? And I think the only thing that 
I'm not a fan of. And it sucks because I knew inevitably that we were going to get there at some point, and I know it's going to be blasphemous, and I'm saying when it happens. I made a $40 bet last night with one of the Cheruli twins, and I'm Did sticking really? by it, which is that with how I swear. I got a text him in order to confirm it, but I'm like, I will put Wait, money Joe? on this shit right now of course. with Joe. And I'm like, and you are going to be owing me 40 Chris, bucks in two or three years when this movie record, comes out. For the record, Chris did not care enough to enter a $40 bet. That's just how I knew. Just so the Chris, audience Chris knows. doesn't care about it. Chris doesn't care about it. No, because, no, because Joe is doing that thing that he always does, which is thinking it's like, oh, you know, yeah, this franchise has a history or the movies have a history of doing this stuff, but they won't go that far. And I'm just like, dude, as far as I'm concerned with the new age or whatever we're in of Hollywood, all bets are off. All bets are off as far as how stupid right. they can go. My whole thing is I just want to see how stupid they can go because that like, I'm like, dude, I give it props. I give it props when they're able to get that stupid, but I'm saying when I'm calling this shit right now, right. when they bring back Paul Walker for the next uh. two movies, dude, I'm going to be happily counted my $40 when I win that bet. But at the same time, that's the only element where I'm like, oh, this is this is getting into blasphemous territory, let's call it. And I never say that about this franchise, yeah. but that would be the moment where it's like, after we went out of our way to do that beautiful tribute to him that you did in Fast 7, which in a way kind of saved that movie. Let's be completely honest here. Like that tribute at the end kind of saved that movie as far as that goes. But yeah, it just it, it, it just kind of factors into my well, point of quick, everything else that kind of we the YouTube algorithm wants you to say this within the first minute. We're not promoting gambling. This isn't financial advice or anything like that. It's all in good fun. I kid you not, YouTube yes. would flag this video had we not said that. Now keep going, Dom. <laughs> and we'll leave yes. this one in just so the audience can see the games <laughs> we'll we have to play as content creators. Just so creators. that they understand. Just so that they understand. Yes. But when they bring back Paul Walker and they do the thing that they did with his brothers, but this time it's going to be even more seamless. I mean, it was seamless when they did it back in 2015, but when they do it again, ah, I don't know, man. Like, like you, you had some very strong opinions on that, so you let me know your thoughts I on that. I think the fact that he's still in this universe is just disrespectful because they didn't they demoted him to being a babysitter, which arguably the safest babysitter you could ever have, but it's not funny, it's not cute, it's disrespectful. I mean, it's like, you know, like there's a reason they're not recasting Chadwick Boseman in the MCU, right? You know, be a little more cognizant of in this case, the man who kept the franchise going when everyone else walked away from it. The only reason you're here right now is because of Paul Walker and his commitment to his art. And so the fact that you do that, it's like you give us something by naming the child after him, but then you keep him around and you just demote him to this, oh, we don't need him, we don't need him. I mean, think about other messages that you're sending. I know that they didn't mean it in a disrespectful way, but like you're diminishing Every contribution he made, every big save he made, every like reason why you guys succeeded the mission being so rooted in him and Dom, like coming down to the final, you know, hour of every film, you're just like saying, Oh, we don't need him anymore. We've passed his his skill set, his talents. I don't know. To me it's it's very it lacks taste. And I, I don't think it's a respectful way to handle it. So if they do put the you know, Paul Walker CGI in there, that might be where I walk away from the franchise. I mean, I might not cover this anymore. You might be finding Phil and co-hosts, and I'll say that on record because I just think that's that's a little too much, you know? It's it's a little yeah. too much. If his brothers want to get into the acting I mean, the game, I- great, but they don't need to, to recast. They don't need to CGI his face onto his brother's physique. They could just enter the franchise and be a relative. They'd probably already look look like each other. It'd be believable. So there's other ways to do it. 
If he retires, yeah, he retires. Like the, like the one thing I'll say, but this isn't retirement. Right. This is reducing one, him to being a, a child sitter when the man is equally as capable of a super spy as the rest of them, and the reason they're even alive for the majority of this franchise. Yeah, it's you know what it is. It's a fast so so fast seven. Obviously, it was an impossible situation that they overcame, and so like the reason why it works there is because again, it's both an ode to Paul and kind of an achievement of wow, they made this work in the best and most yes. tasteful way possible as far as that goes and even an eight with all the bad elements like we've gone on record to say that fate is our least favorite of this franchise right but the thing at the very least that that movie did is that movie both by not having mia included in it at all there was some plausible deniability as to why the two of them weren't around right but now we're getting into this point where it's like okay the franchise is keeping on going and now where it's like oh okay how long can we do it's like oh we brought han back why don't we literally bring Paul Walker back? It's almost like kind of the franchise is... It's almost like it's got, like, too much ego for its own good as far as, oh, we could do this, we could do anything as far as that goes. And I feel like that's kind of the mentality that they're taking with the Paul Walker thing. And I know they don't mean it in bad taste, but it's getting to a point where it's like, oh, are, are you sure you want to yeah. do this? Like, I'm, again, like, I know, I know we're all about, like, moving forward for moment, for forward's sake, but, like, there's a certain point where you start to disrespect what came exactly. before. Exactly. I don't think you know? it's in poor taste, but I just think it's the same thing as animating Carrie Fisher a year after she died. It's just something you don't do. You know, it's like, be a yeah. human and, 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 and detach yourself from the dollars because you're already going to rake it in. You're the Fast and Furious. You're Star Wars. You're already going to rake it right. in. So please, like, you know, let's not do that. We, it's not needed and... Uh this is the world we live in. These are the rules we have to play by, I suppose. We this is the this is the world we live in. And it sucks because like this is what happens. Like when it's not just that like these are like kind of like secondary characters. These are main characters where the actors pass, right? We've had this three times now. Paul Walker, Carrie Fisher, and now Chadwick Boseman. It's like I really do feel for the studios in that sense, because it's like, what do they do from then on? You know, as far as that goes, with the exception of like kind of killing off the characters or keeping them around, but in a way where it's like they're not a part of the main action. It's it's a really, really tricky tight line to tight line to walk. And it really only works, like, occasionally. And I, I think the reason why I'm throwing so much shade here is because they made it work. They made it happen. And now for them to kind of retroactively go back and change that, that's where I'm like, oh, right. okay, you know? Like, like the whole thing with Bozeman, we don't know yet. We know obviously they're going to do something, but we don't know yet what they're going to do with Black Panther 2. And we obviously saw what happened with Carrie Fisher, Rise of Skywalker. Let's be honest, that movie was kind of doomed long, but like, like outside of anything having to do with her death. But like, just seeing it done there, and just with how they were kind of able to utilize her, just to keep her in the movie, it's like, why? Just why? You know, there's kind of there's nothing to be gained from there as far as that goes. Yeah, you know, it's we'll we'll see what happens. I think either way, we need to just we need to just forget about what we're doing with Brian right now and <laughs> just stop because it yeah. just keeps becoming more and more cringe and and more and more just disrespectful and it's like at least with the Carrie Fisher one I didn't think to myself like man like you know she wasn't just a celebrity like people actually knew her and like what are you putting them through and they keep dragging Paul Walker's name around and it's like man like do, like do, do you guys think about if his family wants to keep hearing about him like on screen and it's like do you guys think about that his friends like do you guys think about his super fans who, like, they, because of his strength in the movies, like, art has an effect on people. Like, it just doesn't seem like they're thinking about how they're preserving this man's contribution to the franchise. And so at the risk of repeating myself, I, I think that's where I'll leave it in regards to this final segment and the Paul Walker of it all. So, yeah. Shall we jump yeah. into our star I think ratings? The only thing that I'll, yeah, the only thing that I'll say as far as my final thoughts is, is that you know that 
when, I'm going to say when, I'm putting it out there, that when Brian makes his return to this franchise, you know off the top of your head, the studio is, is, is paying his family like $20 million, like minimum. Like minimum, like they the family will be compensated as far as that goes, but right, it still of course. still doesn't feel right as far as that goes. But yeah, so final thoughts, star ratings. Um, F nine, man, what else can you say about it that hasn't already been said? Look, we all know this franchise ha- quite literally has a momentum that cannot be stopped. So we know that any actual bout of criticism that we lobby this movie's way is not going to make a damn bit of difference as far as how much money this movie's made. This movie's already launched like the second or third highest grossing movie of this year so far, and it is not stopping anytime soon. This franchise is not stopping anytime soon. It is unstoppable, quite literally. But with that being said, this is a very flawed movie. It has a lot of elements that don't work, but it also has a lot of elements that just allow you to just sit back and have fun with it. And I don't say that too often. Like, in fact, like my whole thing is I fucking hate when people say, oh, just turn your brain off. Just enjoy it for what it is. I that that shit drives me nuts most of the time. That was not an intentional pun. I'll throw that out there. But uh, the one thing that I will say is that I definitely probably had more fun with this movie and I definitely then really I feel like only a couple other mo- I feel like I only had a, this much fun with like a couple of other movies that came out this year but like there's just a certain feeling that I get when I know that I'm watching a Fast and Furious movie and I really didn't have it for the last two movies it really wasn't there for Fate of the Furious and it wasn't there for Hobbs and Shaw so even though this movie is heavily flawed and has a lot of problems both for this movie itself and for the franchise going forward I will still say that I had a joyous time both times that I watch it in the theaters but I can't go super high I'm giving this movie three and a half out of five stars yeah that that makes sense for me it was obviously a step forward from Fate of the Furious and Hobbs and Shaw is really cool and I enjoy it it's just unfortunate that it's a sort of uh, spin-off and not main canon it sucks that we have those issues because I I really love the Statham and Rock character with Vin Diesel in the same movie it was those were enjoyable rides, but I guess we're not going to get those for much longer. But yeah, I don't know. I think, like you said, it has a lot of flaws. It clearly is, um, uh, like Tyrese has said, you know, it's uh, it's become something that we don't even know what it's become, really, in, in a sense. I mean, you the fact that you can ask if they're superheroes or not in the middle of the movie is pretty hilarious and depending on how you watch movies, potentially pretty detrimental to your experience. But I didn't let that get me down too much because I kind of knew what I was in for. And so that's why I'm going to walk away from this one saying it's a three-star movie. It is, unfortunately, the second worst on my top 10 Fast and Furious ranking. It's uh, right in front of Fate of the Furious, which comes in at number 10 out of 10. But I think I had more fun with it than some other installments however it was not the best movie so that's why it's kind of a three star lower tier on the rankings but hey if they're making like 15 more i imagine this one's gonna go up a few pegs i can't see them getting much better definitely (laughs) definitely i'll say that as far as my overall rankings go i have this ranked above both fate and hobbs and shaw only because like i said that fast and furious feeling that obviously wasn't there for hobbs and shaw because it's a spinoff that one as much fun as i had with that movie that still feels like kind of more of like a little bit of this just a regular action movie kind of that just happens to feature two fast and furious cast members and fate we know is unequivocally the worst but this comes in at like third to last right in front of those two as far as that goes um the only other thing that i wanted to bring up 
was, which I will say was just personally satisfying for me, besides the fact that the Tokyo Drift guys finally actually got to come to a barbecue and actually got to play a substantial part in the main canon movies that's not just like a cameo, I will say, I don't know if you felt this way, it was very, very satisfying seeing Sean Hogg Han again at the end. That 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 just made me happy. That that I, I know it like was all for flaws and all for all kind of at fault, and the the how we got there was effing stupid and kind of disrespectful in a lot of different senses and to the detriment of the overall franchise. But that moment that that did make me happy where it's like, oh man, this franchise, they, they really have come full. This is that was Justin Lin's true full circle moment from like where he started with this yeah. franchise. So I, I just wanted to throw that out. I, I did really For that like reason that it was cool, but I kinda thought they have since Tokyo Drift been disrespecting the movie every time they bring it up. Yeah, they have. Which sucks because Tokyo Drift is legitimately it's great. My favorite like, can we just one. put that to bed right now, the idea of Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift is not a bad movie. In fact, Tokyo Drift is actually really fucking yeah. awesome and a and an exceptionally well made movie. So let's opinion. just put that whole Tokyo Tokyo Drift is not good to bet because it's just blatantly right. not true as far as that goes. Because they've, they've even made it, found a way to make Sean work in the movies going forward. <laughs> as much as we made yeah. fun of him in that Tokyo Drift first time watch. But you guys, you guys can check that out by tuning in to our full Fast and Furious first time watch series. All eight episodes for all eight of the movies before this are officially up on YouTube. We did it. We've officially made it. We've reviewed F9. Make sure you tune in this coming week for the rankings that are coming for when we officially rank these movies. It's going to be fucking insane. Wednesday. I cannot wait. It is still something that I'm going to wait. It's something that I'm still waiting to hype up until actually like when we're there on Wednesday in order for you guys to see. But it is going to be an episode unlike anything that we have ever done on this show before. And what are your thoughts on F9 and the Fast and Furious saga just in general? It's been a long road, but we finally made it to the finish line. So leave your thoughts in the comment section below. Be sure to click the like button and the subscribe button on this video. That way you guys can get notified every time we put up new content online chris where could the good people find you on yeah the they can find me all of the same places that our podcast is available that being facebook instagram twitter the whole nine at christian ivanko ivanko spelled e-v-a-n-k-o just like our podcast i have a link in my bio as well where you can not only find the talking tv podcast but you can find my music uh it's available on spotify apple Anchor, you know, all the same places we are, my music is. Amazon, Google Play, so please go check it out through the link in my bio. Let me know what you think, and, and if you know, you're know you one of my YouTube guys, you can let me know in a comment on any of those social medias, or just in the comments below in this video if you want to double back and be like, yo, Chris, I checked out your music, it was pretty cool, or this, that, and the other thing. Just, just go listen to it, guys. I'd really appreciate it. I'm working on a bunch of new material to be coming out sooner than later, and I can't wait for you to hear it, as well as I have another podcast about music, life, and everything in between called Talkin', Talkin' spelled the same way we spell it here, with Andrew and Chris, again, available through the link in my bio. Please check it out. I hope to see you there. And of course, go follow my good friend Dom, man. Where, where, where can they find you? At Movie Nerd Reviews. <clears throat> Oh man, at Movie Nerd Reviews, that's how you can tell it was a late <laughs> night last night, at Movie Nerd Reviews on Facebook and Instagram, and also be sure to follow me where I more actively post on our social media profiles for this podcast right here, the Talkin' TV Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at Talkin' TV Podcast, all one word. I post several times, several, several times during the week, that way you guys can get notified and kind of keep up to date on everything that we've got going on in the channel. Guys, again... It's been a long road. Thank you guys so much for being with us every single step of the way. We'll see you guys again in a couple years when we cover F10 and 11 and Hobbs and Shot 2 and 3 and however many goddamn spinoffs we do. Oh, man. We're, just when we thought we were out, 
We have the, the, the track, the, the street pulled us right back in. Chris, it's been a blast being able to show you these movies and being able to experience this franchise with you. People, as always, you know the drill. 12 seasons in a short film and watch more fucking movies. We'll see you guys next time.